0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It is another episode of Defying Gravity. Episode number nine. We're back after a little bit of a hibernation mode. We were gonna do one yesterday, but uh, the simulation made me so um, unsatisfied. Let's just leave it at that, where I just did not have the headspace to deal with the bullshit that goes on in this game sometimes, but today is a new day, and joining me for this new day is the GM of the daddies, of the fathers, Kaz Yamazaki! Kaz, my friend, how's it going?
1: Hello, good, good.
0: How- 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 on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you grade the introduction? Better than previous podcasts? <clears throat> Uh, two. Oh, come on. Come on. That was better. Come on. You're the, you're the GM of the daddies? How, how is that not good?
1: I mean, you put too many A's.
0: All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to keep this one relatively short and sweet. And I always say that. But this time, I really do mean it. Um, We're going to go over some of the more notable trades that have gone on in the last couple of days and maybe even weeks, depending on uh, when they went down exactly. I don't remember, but there are some big ones that we do want to talk about here. We're going to talk about some of the more surprising teams through uh, a little less than halfway through the season so far. And we're also going to touch on some of our favorites for each of the divisions as we head into the trade deadline, which is going to be coming up before you know it. Um, I need to check up exactly when that is, but I think that might be early next week based on a daily sim schedule. So lots of stuff to get into Kaz, but let's start with the elephant in the room. And I, I hate that this is the elephant in the room. It's annoying. It's maddening. I just want to pull my hair out. Um, And this is very much so going to be a biased discussion, and that's why I have you. So Kaz, obviously the big one. Michael Lindauer goes to the Red Sox, along with Michael King and Herman Marquez. And in exchange, the Dodgers get Sam Huff, Willie Zamora, Randy Pell, Julio Medrano, and Ignacio Valencia. Uh, before you really get into this, I'll just preface that Zamora, Pell, and Matrano are already out of the Dodgers organization, which is quite the accomplishment, I must say. But Kaz, before I give my biased bullshit response to this, why don't you give your uh, your take on the deal?
1: Um, was this the like was this the entire deal? There wasn't there like like another couple players.
0: Um, no, it, it was. I believe it was just that it was King, Marquez, Huff, Zamora, Pell, Madrona. Yeah, no, Valent. Yeah, I think it's that three for five deal. Yeah,
1: okay. Um, I guess, but it's um, seems right to me.
0: I would agree, <laughs> 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 just a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Well, let me ask, well, before we really get into this, I want to try to look at this before we look into separate from the Wolgamuth deal, because obviously we did not have that context going in. We were under the impression that the Dodgers were just going to stand pat with these prospects. So in that context, not not considering that they traded for Wolgamuth later on, you're saying that it's a, a light deal. Now, does that change at all when you consider that they got Wolgamuth? I mean, so basically, the way this turns out is that the Red Sox gave up, or, or the Dodgers are essentially trading away Lindauer, uh, plus King and Marquez for Wolgamuth and Valencia. That's essentially how this shakes out. I would say that's a massive net loss for the Dodgers. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I I have to agree with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have Zamora and Pell at? And Madrano? Because I feel as if those are the three main cogs that got this deal going for the Dodgers. Do you have them in the seven, the six to seven grade range or is it a little bit lower for you?
1: so i have some more at uh, 55 okay at uh, 6 okay and uh, Medellano think, uh, was at 5
0: wow okay yeah. so you're you're a lot lower on a lot of those prospects than even i am um, which is really saying something um and then just out of curiosity, I have Valencia at a five. Do you have him at a, at a five as well?
1: Uh, Valencia at six.
0: <laughs> a six. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I think the prospects themselves are fine, but when you're talking about a guy like Lindauer, who is a perennial MVP candidate, It just doesn't make sense to me. And especially when you consider that, A, the Dodgers already have so much money on the books. The fact they're moving Lindauer is going to have a very minimal effect on this deal. I really do believe that. And then, obviously, thinking about this before they traded for Wolgamoth, the prospects that they got, even if you think they are high upside players, which I happen to think both Zamora all of Zamora Pell and Medrano are very interesting players and they're very young, which makes them attractive. Those are the kinds of players that need to have a player development budget that can, a, a sizable player development budget that can develop those players. If you're the Dodgers and you have this very minimal player development budget, those are the kinds of players that are known to tank in your system. They don't develop... For whatever reason because they don't have that support system in place um, w- was that your overarching thought about the deal was it s- if they were higher in the minors would this have been a better deal for you or just overall value wise was it on the, on the light side for you Um
1: so possible like if you did what Steven did in the season um, so you are going all to end for 2029 20, right and so basically the future does not matter in this context um correct you want to go or in no matter what even if lindawa is hitting like 14 or 80 OPS
2: mm-hmm You... Mm-hmm
1: wait and see what happens especially now you you have you had that much depth.
0: right like it's literally a month of bad performance big whoop <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: like you know it, mike trout has had bad months before that is the thing that's happened you know like especially with guys that have the five grade hit tool like i i, I don't know what you have Lindauer's hit tool at but it's a five those players are susceptible to bad months more so than the 80 grade players that have, you know, a 55 grade hit tool. You know, the hit tool for me is most indicative of players that have hot and cold streaks, especially if a low avoid K's. Uh, so Lindauer is kind of similar to trout in that profile, in that context. So if you go throughout his career he is very hot and cold. Now, he's obviously a lot more hot than cold, but he is prone to one or two months a season of poor performance, and the other four obviously are, are elite. But I think a lot of this was driven off of motion for Steven because, you know, he had so many players crater in the month of April, and they were absolutely dreadful. Now they're five games over 500. Looking back at this and a lot of players that started out really, really slow, Pete Alonzo, even Ratface has gotten it together. I don't know if you've seen that, but Ratface is up to a 117 OPS plus 111 WRC plus. I think it was really just a matter of being patient and waiting for the players to come together. I mean, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to pick up on the fact that this lineup is really, really deep and really, really good. And um, I just think it's a shame because, like I said before, they're in so much of a financial hole that it really does nothing to free up their books whatsoever. And the prospects they're getting are not going to be able to develop in that system. And they just essentially gave up a, a big bat in their lineup while they're already struggling. So any gains that your players make in the month of May onward are going to be lessened because you have one less impact bat in the lineup. Now, we can shift over to the Red Sox side of this before we get into the subsequent trade the Dodgers made for Wolgamuth. Look, I think the Red Sox are that pesky little peasant that just finds treasure in the ground sometimes, right? And they just so happen to get these prospects because... They made one really big trade with Minnesota. Minnesota went all in. And I give credit to Tyler for the trade that he made. He did an excellent job getting full value for Syndergaard. Even though he fully retained him, it was a very good value for him. And he leveraged those prospects to get Lindauer. So I think in... You know, given where the Red Sox were in the standings, they were in first place at the time of the deal. I do think it's a no-brainer for Boston to make this deal. I didn't say it was a bad deal for Boston. I'm just pissed that they were the team that made the deal because I thought I was making a much better offer. Besides the point. Um, Did you think the Red Sox were the favorite in the division? I mean, I know that we all make jokes about you know, the Red Sox being better than the Yankees and all that. But in all seriousness, did you think they were better before the trade? And then did your opinion change after the trade, <clears throat>
1: Um No, uh, before the season, the Yankees were clearly a better and deeper team. So uh, what what Tyra had uh, was a wide of card spot. Mm -hmm. now uh and now okay so the the socks uh, are half the back so um yeah things are you know are falling into the places right places I think Mm -hmm. but um obviously like they are not not petty peasants as you said like this this is like good roster uh that, that can compete for a title in any other division.
0: Hmm. So, e, uh, e, even the AL West, even though we'll, you'll, you'll get a lot of heat for saying they can can compete in any other division because the AL West thinks okay. their their poop doesn't stink right now, Kaz.
1: Okay. Um. <laughs> I think uh, I don't think that A is uh, as good as the standing that their records indicate
0: Ooh, that's a hot take i like it though that's hot interesting yeah, and then
1: maybe a couple wins that well um
0: let's see um you think the angels are are legit Are
1: <clears throat> uh, they are a bit hot too mm-hmm. So, uh, given the fact that, uh, Seattle and Texas, uh, um, underwhelming so far, um, they, um, okay, let me, let me, um, rephrase that, um, so the A's record makes sense to some extent, but they, like, I think they are, like, they are
0: Two times level is a couple wins lower. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's that's a yeah that's that's not a crazy thought considering they've won almost sixty nine percent of their games. Nice. nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, look, I'm with you. I think the Red Sox. I, I've never said the Red Sox suck. Um, I mean, I I think they they suck. Personally, but talent-wise, they don't suck, and that really hurts to say. Like they—they they are a good team, but you know when you remove Lindauer and Devers from that team, you know Sergio Otero I think is playing above his head. I don't think he's a twenty-five homer season kind of guy, and that's the pace he's on right now. Um, you know Alec Thomas, Tyler is so beyond lucky that th- Thomas has been uh, healthy to this point because he's basically played him every single game he's been healthy. Um, so that's not a recipe for success. The pitching staff is honestly the biggest thing because you could make the case that with Devers, Califut, um, Lindauer, I guess even Cermak now, and Thomas, it's it's a good lineup in Valencia. It's a, it's a good lineup. They still have some holes, though. Um, but I think it's their pitching staff that honestly is the part that surprised me the most, because Nasir Mule to me is not a starter. I'm actually stunned that he's been this good. He's got a three eight six ERA and a three nine three FIP through twelve starts. I I don't understand how it's happening. It's bullshit. It's my third time saying that this podcast. I don't think I've ever cursed that much, but I think that's ridiculous. Christian Roa, I have no idea where this is coming from with him. Um, It's just some ridiculous double magic. But then, like, even accounting for those guys doing real well, the rest of the rotation is really questionable. Like Zach Ebert, he is what he is. He's a league average pitcher at best who's going to have some really good games and some really bad games. Juan Pena is interesting. But I don't really think he's that particularly good. Um, he's probably like a number four or number five starter and Ralph Dodds absolutely sucks. Like, I really don't see anything special with Ralph Dodds whatsoever. Um, he's kind of buoyed by a really high stamina rating. Otherwise, he'd be a 45, 40 grade pitcher. And he's only he's a 50 for me because of the stamina. So, like, I don't think they're a better team than me. I I know that all these people want to like joke around and say that they're better. They're not. They're not. Um, but Tyler does make things a lot more interesting with Lindauer. So let me add, let me phrase it to you this way, Kaz. Before the trade, what was your confidence level in the Yankees coming in first in the division, and what was it post trade? Because I know you said that the Yankees were the favorite. How confident were you before and after?
1: <coughs> I was uh 95 97% um confident in the Yankees winning the division mhm and now i i'm like at 92% maybe
0: wow only a 3% decline really
1: yeah um no i uh, i was at 90 Seven, let me let me say this uh 97 then uh before now i'm at 92
0: so okay five percent drop i mean that's still i thought that would be a lot lower i thought it would be around the, the you know maybe the 50 percent mark that's fascinating okay fascinating um well listen i mean i do think the red sox are a good team but um if you have a left-handed pitcher that's really good Uh, you're going to give the Red Sox a lot of fits. I mean, look at their lineup. They have a lot of left-handed hitters. Um, Lindauer is hurt for this sim. Um, He does have some back spasms, which looks to be a first for him. I I don't think that's actually been a consistent issue for him. Um, But, yeah, I do think the Red Sox are a better team. I think the Dodgers were absolutely a worse team after this trade. So, And given that I think the return for – LA was a little light. I think the clear win has to go to the Red Sox. Stamp it. Stamp it for approval. Red Sox win the trade. Fair to say, Cass?
1: Yeah. Um, but as you said, um, the Red Sox uh a bit top heavy. Yeah. So if, like, Thomas goes down or one of the.
0: Devers I or Calfoot, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it can
0: they can collapse fast yeah yeah uh li- listen you're speak you're, you're preaching to the choir you're preaching preaching from from the pulpit there kaz um i'm, I'm waiting for the collapse to happen and it, it kind of has happened in a way they're uh five and five in their last 10 games uh they were like three and seven at one point in their last 10 games but of course, we go 2-8. and eight, We lose some ridiculous series, and alas, we only have a half-game lead. Um, but let's shift over to the next trade, which I think makes this deal make a little bit more sense for the Dodgers, but not a whole lot. So the Dodgers basically use almost all of that trade capital they got from Lindauer deal and turn around to get Nate Wolgamoth. Now the entire deal just for the podcast uh, was Zamora Pell Medrano who were all acquired in that deal for Lindauer um, as well as Joe Ferdin an outfielder and a fully retained Alec Bohm, fully retained his five year, $120 million deal fully retained by the Dodgers in exchange for Lindauer who was also fully retained, but just for this season. Um, let me before we get into the value of the trade, I want to get your sense for where you value Wolgamuth. Is he uh, for me? He's clearly a notch below Lindauer because uh, of the defense. You know, Wolgamuth is a first base only kind of guy, whereas Lindauer can play pretty much six or seven different positions across the field, which is really impressive. Uh, do you share that same sentiment or do you think they're actually a lot closer in value?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so uh Volgamoth is not uh, a short stop at least now. Mm-hmm. So that alone makes um uh, much more valuable. Yeah. Seems neat. So um going from Lindawa to Vargamoth uh seems a bit short sighted.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're really nice about it, Kaz. Um Yeah, I, I don't understand this at all um, from Steven's standpoint. I mean, look, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> like, I made this trade. I'm very happy. Um, look, Nate Wogemuth is a high-impact hitter. He's absolutely uh, a difference maker with the bat. He has been a silver slugger. He's a two-time all-star. He um, had a 141 WRC plus last year. But that was in Yankee Stadium and now that he's moving over to the Dodgers, um, you know, it's actually quite a hitter friendly ballpark in terms of home runs for right-handed hitters. So it's really not that big of a difference for Wolgamoth in that sense. Um, but like you said, the issue here is that he is a first base only and he's not a very good first baseman, might I add. In fact, Alec Bohm is a far superior defensive first baseman than Wolgamoth is even at 32 years old um i honestly like i thought Boehm and wolgamith when you factor in that both are fully retained was pretty close in and of itself but then you add in zamora pell medrano and you know we went over all those grades um and then joe ferdin and it's just it makes like you would think that a trade that's made subsequently with a lot of players that you previously acquired, you would think that it would start to make more sense, but I feel as if I'm even more confused afterwards as to what the Dodgers are doing because now they don't have a farm system. They, they went from having a pretty good one to a pretty non-existent one and they got worse Um And to keep in mind that Wolgamuth does not have a contract extension, whereas Lindauer does. And it's a very team-friendly deal. He's going to be making at most $26 million through the 2036 season. Wolgamuth still needs a long-term contract extension. I'm just going to tell you right now that that contract extension is going to be a lot more expensive than the one that Lindauer signed. So, Kaz, help me make sense of it if there is any sense to be made.
1: Uh, I cannot help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, like you said, like, wouldn't even be have been better with bone, just keeping bone.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, this did, would have made sense if bone was not retained. Old or maybe like twenty, twenty-five, something
2: between.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's Stephen is um, how do I how do I say this? Stephen gonna Stephen, right? Stephen is gonna Stephen. This is what he does. He hinted at this in the article. He does it for entertainment value as much as he does for his team. Um. But you know what's the best form of entertainment? How about some championship rings? That's the best form of entertainment. Boom. Um,
1: I cannot agree more than that.
0: <laughs>
1: that statement.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's that saying? Uh, there, there's there's this guy on Sirius XM Radio. Uh, I forgot who it was. But his thing is uh, prospects are cool, parades are cooler. And um, I'm, I'm just like, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, speaking of, I think, I think I'm going to probably do some type right. of like championship um, world series I, ring. Thing. Oh, go ahead, cast Go ahead.
1: Uh, can I sum up the, this entire, uh, Linda, uh, Wargamoth poem? Please do. Craig, over the tweets.
0: Please, uh, please. Uh,
1: the uh, believing that, uh, a bunch of things that, that makes this loss uh, slightly worse, but slightly cheaper. And the analysts go, uh, that makes sense. And the, the National Time, Max Scherzer, and they go, I don't get it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, gosh.
0: Oh, It's always more entertainment when Craig is included into a discussion there. <laughs> um, oh, all right. Onto other moves, and these are a lot less, uh, let's call it um, provocative, less provocative. That's the word. Um, so you made what I thought was a very sneaky trade. You little sneak Kaz. You went out and got Jesus Lazardo, and you gave up Gabe Smith, who I hate. So, you know, Kaz, bravo. You did a good job, my friend. You got Jesus Lazardo, who I still really like. Um, and I, I was approached by Grant about Lazardo, And I just, I really didn't have a need for him, especially when Lazardo was making all that money and Seattle wasn't willing to retain. You know, that was the complicated aspect of it. You know, if he was making the minimum, I would have signed up, absolutely. But, you know, for you, you had the financial means to do it and the willingness to do it. And you gave up a guy in in Gabe Smith, who I have as having three grade command as a starting pitcher. It's just it's not going to work as a starter, and he's also fragile. So I I am absolutely out on Gabe Smith. I have been ever since he was drafted. Um, I never thought he was a very good prospect at all, um, and I know that he's been traded a couple of times. I think you actually had him before at one point. Um, You got him from Oakland in a trade. Um, So the fact that you were able to convert Gabe Smith into Jesus Lizardo is a really nice piece of business. So tell me what you think about Lizardo, how he fits into your team, and what you had on Gabe Smith. Give me all the details.
1: Okay. um, So Lizardo, obviously, a huge name. uh, Still has good ratings my my skull has him as a six which mm-hmm. is not far off I think then uh and his his K rate has been declining over the past three years, uh which is concerning but um he can still serve as a, a, a rotation pose, um right. and that's what. I need for the next three months to grab that second what's called spot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah gabe smith i'm i'm out on him i don't think he's a starter and, and he's like <laughs> i <laughs> so i look at his game logs after every shame and it pisses me
2: off.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you summed it up. I don't think he's a starter. I don't think he's a reliever. <laughs> I don't. He's he's not anything to me. Um, you know the interesting thing about Lazardo is that he's got that really good pitch mix with the eight great changeup. I mean, guys have eight great changeups, even if you have like even if that's your one plus pitch, you you're pretty much guaranteed to have a K rate above seven and a half K per nine in my experiences. So the fact that he's got two additional plus pitches in his fastball and curveball, both are plus plus for me, paired with the eight changeup, that K rate should be way up. And I don't know what Lizardo's morale was with Seattle losing, and I don't know what the clubhouse chemistry was like with Seattle, but I have to imagine that there were some combination of factors that led to that diminished K rate that isn't indicative of his talent level. So I think getting a restart with San Diego, who is a better team this year and performing in what I think is a deeper division in the AL West, even though we, we hear all this stuff, I do think the AL, the NL West is a deeper division this year. Um, I think it's a great trade for you. I think it's an absolute no brainer. And even if Lizardo opts out, it's a great trade. You know, even as a rental, it makes all the sense in the world for you. And if the in the unlikely event that he opts in and he doesn't opt out, it's an even better trade for you. And you still have like almost fifty million dollars to spend um, if you wanted to this year with like a, a huge amount of money ready to go next season as well so it just it just made all the sense in the world for you as well now let me ask you this um do you think given the dodger struggles their degradation from from trading lindauer and and getting Wolgamuth, with factoring in lizardo do you think that your team has a chance to usurp them in the wild card standings
1: Um, I would say there's a fair chance, but, um, I'm looking at a 25, 30% chance Mm -hmm. of passing them. It's not just the Dodgers. There, there are like, there are a bunch of six, seven teams in, uh, Teams fighting for two spots in right. the end, and now, and so, uh, considering all of that, um, I, I wouldn't, I don't really need to um get ahead of the Dodgers per se. Just need to be ahead of those other teams.
0: Yeah, the Brewers, the Hammers, the Marlins, Giants, just to name a few. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that you are a notch above the Hammers and Marlins this year, as well as the as well as the Giants. Um, you know, so it's going to be fascinating to see this play out. Obviously, we've got a few more sims before the trade deadline, so that's going to be something to monitor as well. Um, you have a. a pretty interesting farm system as well you have the seventh graded farm system in baseball so absolutely have capacity to not only trade prospects but to take on some salaries so definitely you are a team that i am keeping my eye on um we'll talk a little bit later about this the mariners i feel like in one of the other segments we alluded to but,
1: but now, I mean, uh, let, me, let me add some more to that uh, of course if uh that played is uh, you absolutely played for me, which uh so last time last time you played uh me trading for a picture was Poloka <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So now you might have you might have it since the <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh. This league is this league is just pure entertainment at this point, Kaz. I mean it's just yeah. absolute pure entertainment. <laughs> um all right, so we'll talk about one other trade here that I did want to cover, um, and it does again have to do with the Mariners, and you know, it's I I'm conflicted about this one because I feel like the Dodgers got a really good deal, but at the same time, it's like this could have all been avoided if you literally just held on to Michael Lindauer. Because you gave up, again, some really good prospects. And Chad Upliger, Ruben Aurelano, Franco Rios, and Dan Middleton. Mostly Upliger and Aurelano for Vanasco and Royce Lewis. I think Royce Lewis and Wolgamuth paired together would be similar value to, to Lindauer. Um now, getting Venasco by himself is fine. I personally am not in on Venasco. He's already a fragile at 30 years old. He's got two pitches. He doesn't even have two and a half. He's got two pitches. Um, so I just I, I feel like the Dodgers pulled a raise where they traded all their prospects for a very minimal net gain in overall major league talent. Um You know, their farm system is now barren. I'm going to confirm that to be the case. They have one top 100 prospect left in Kevin Minky, who I think is a fake top prospect, by the way. I don't think he's actually that good. He's 24 and has a three grade (laughs) changeup. Like, it's not going to happen for Kevin Minky. I really don't believe that. Um, So, you know, I I have my concerns about Venasco. He's already starting to. The peripherals and the ERA are already starting to converge. And Royce Lewis is fine, but he's already fragile and he just turned 30. I don't know how much longer you can expect him to play shortstop at a very high level. He was already playing at a barely above league average rate this year anyway. So, um, you know, I think not factoring in the other trades, I think this one makes a little bit more sense for the Dodgers. You know, if you're in win now mode, you go and get, go out and get Lewis and Venasco who are going to be nice complimentary pieces to the other stars in that team. I think it's a fine deal. But again, we're just we're thinking about this in totality and that's where I struggle to make sense of of the deal. Is that fair to say it's more of a in a vacuum it's fine, but totality-wise it's it's questionable?
1: Yeah. I I agree with that 100%. Um, I, I get um, what uh, Stephen, I get uh, what you have to do and how to do, and um, but yeah, like like you said, uh, just you you should have just held on to Hour.
0: <laughs> literally, <laughs> just go to held on to Hour, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All you
1: need all you need is just a little patience.
0: Uh, copyright content on a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think, now, do you remember if we had started Daily Sims when Lindauer was, was dealt or not? Do you remember? I don't remember um, if that had um, happened
2: yet. Uh,
1: like two, three Sims after, oh, okay. I
0: think. If it's through two or three Sims, okay. So yeah, like that. that's what it may come down to. If it was Daily Sims, I think Lindauer would have still been a Dodger. <laughs> like, is that, like, I, I don't think that's a stretch. It's it's t- it's going into that impatience thing that you alluded to. And I, the best teams in this league, I'm just going to say who I think are the best GMs, right? Luke, Matt, um, there's so many other good GMs. I think Grant's uh, a great GM, Seth, right? There's there's a lot of really good ones. The best teams, it just it's broken down into three categories. They're patient. They know when to say no to deals. Um, and they spend a lot in player development scouting. Steven doesn't do any of those things. <laughs> Now, I I think he's a good GM, though, but he he's a good GM in a very different way from some of the other good GMs. Um, He's a rule bender. He's an airbender. We're going to call him. You know what? I think the title of the show, Kaz, how about Stephen Coelho avatar airbender? You like that one?
1: Okay. um, I think so. um, Even though I don't get the (laughs) reference.
0: It's uh, Avatar, the, the animated show.
1: Oh, no, I haven't ever seen that
0: one. Oh, at, you, okay. Kaz, you need to. Great show, great show. Movie, not so great. The live action, I do okay. not recommend, but the animated show, fantastic. Um, so I, that's the show. Now. That's it. Steven Coelho, Avatar, Airbender, or maybe just right. Steven Coelho, Airbender, whatever. Um, yeah, so... Listen, I think the Dodgers have a shot with the NL West to win. And maybe we can actually get into our next segment here. Um, Because, you know, I think the deal, just to sum up that other deal, I think... Uh, um,
1: Can I uh, say something about, uh, something uh, before moving on? Um, Absolutely. So, I think you said earlier, uh, Steven provides entertainment value. And so the uh what well, um the, you described uh you said uh, Luke Mart uh a good GM but so that's kind of like the, uh being patient and spending on scouting and um, development is kind of boring. Mm-hmm. So uh Stephen. Provides entertainment, value, and <laughs> maybe that's what all matters in this league. So, from yeah. that point, Stephen might be the best GM. <laughs> he might be the he
0: might be the number one GM. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we need to get Stephen a small market team. <laughs> that's all <what laughs> we got to do. We got to we got to ban him from the Dodgers. We got to give him like the Rays or, oh God, no, that means Noah Crony would be. The Dodgers. Oh, God. No, never mind. Never mind. I, I didn't say that. Give him the Marlins and give Ben the Dodgers or something like that. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I was going to talk about the standings. We can start with the NL West, but real quick, I do want to touch on this deal for the Mariners. I'm going to talk about them uh, in a second here about one of the most underperforming teams. Hint, hint, they are my biggest underperforming team of the season. I frankly have no idea what happened there. Um, but trading away Vanasco, who I think is on his way down and like very clearly on his way down and trading away Royce Lewis, who, yeah, he's a captain, he's a good defender or I'll just say above average at this point, he's already fully retained. So it doesn't really impact their books. I, I think it's a great deal for them because I think Upliker is the truth. I think Upliker is awesome. I think Erlano is awesome. I've been trying to get both multiple times from Steve and it did not work. I do worry about Upliger's change changeup. I think it's only average at best, but he's a very fine prospect in every other way. He's a left-handed pitcher with very minimal splits for me, and he's going to be a ground ball machine um In Seattle. So I, I really, really, really like him. I think Arellano could be a real impact hitter with a plus hit tool, plus power tool, no real splits either way. And I think he could be a very good defensive first baseman as well. So I think great value for the Mariners. I think a clear win for them. And it, it might be a win for the Dodgers. It might be one of those mutually beneficial deals, Kaz, in the end, right?
1: yeah and uh so trading away uh all the players um makes sense for grant uh because at this point the uh the mariners have no shot so um moving short-term pieces uh, absolutely makes sense and uh they got they got a deep farm system yes now, now features Jake Coro.
0: Yeah, uh, I know, I know. That's that's the craziest part. Um, I believe Chrisolo was—I want to say—he was draft pick of Jared, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a Jared pick. Wow, I didn't even know Chris Solo was picked in the first round the year prior and didn't sign. Wow. Wow, Chris Solo failed to sign as a high schooler with the Spiders, uh, well, the Guardians now. He failed to sign with the Tigers last year, and he failed to sign with the Hammers this year. That might very well be the first player I've ever seen who failed to sign three consecutive times he was drafted. That is nuts. Wow, 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 wow. Um, but yeah, Chris solo to me is a fake ace prospect. Um, you're gonna hear that a lot. He's got he literally has two pitches. He has a screwball, which is fun, he's got a fastball. But the splitter, curveball, change up, they're all below average. The command's gonna be below average, and he's got a really horrible personality. Um, yeah, so, yeah he's he's a he's a piece of crap. So I think the stamina grade, you know, as we've dis- as as we've discovered in the past, um, Andy Mosseri is a example of another guy who's really inflated by a high stamina rating, high hold runner rating. Uh Crystal is fine, but you know, again, he's just a piece of the puzzle with the Mariners, and he does boost their farm system if nothing more than just trade value that you can include in some deal. So definitely like what the Mariners have done given their underperformance. Um, and I do think it's a good deal for them. So, um, I won't touch on them that much, but they are my team that I have picked as the team that's underperformed the most given expectations. I was thinking about the Royals here, but you know, I, I saw this coming with the Royals this year. Um, Adele has really not been a Joe Adele type of impact player that he was earlier in his career. And Bobby Witt Jr. went from like a 6th grade hit tool to a 45 in the span of a season, which is just nuts. And again, philosophically speaking, when you go reliever in the first round for like four or five consecutive years, uh, yeah, your farm's going to take a hit. So they're not taking in these impact hitters that could replenish this lineup. It's all based in relievers, and now we're seeing a lot of those relievers that were taken on early in this regime's existence. You see them trying to trade them and they might get a sixth grade prospect if that, you know, so it's, it's disappointing for the Royals. Um, I I don't really know where they go from here. I don't know what you do with Bobby Wood jr. I think you clearly trade Joe Adele, and I honestly would trade Bobby Whalen. I know he's just coming into his own, but he's already twenty eight. Um, he's already reached arbitration, and you know, honestly, I do think it's time for a full rebuild in Kansas City. I, I really don't think there's that many impact players in Kansas City that are worth building around. What do you What do you think, Kaz?
1: Um. Yeah, like you said, it's uh, it, it will be a long long road ahead to building back up. Right. It's like, it's like where the real-life lawyers were in 2018.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Wow, and I can't believe it's already been that long since they yeah. were relevant. That's, wow, wow. That's nuts. That's that's five seasons. Wow, that that's gone by really quick. They've been bad for five seasons. It's kind of hard to fathom. Um, but did you have someone else as your most underperforming team? I'm curious what what you think is the most underperforming squad this year, Cass.
1: Um, it's in the vacuum, maybe Colorado.
0: Ooh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I could see it. I absolutely could see it. I mean, I, so I kind of expected them to take a step back. Um, I mean, well, first off, you have to keep in mind, like, look at their lineup. It's it's kind of like the Red Sox. Not, I'm not saying talent-wise, but construction-wise, they have seven lefties in their lineup. So they're already at a massive disadvantage when playing against lefties. But a lot of the guys that they have aren't necessarily that elite against righties either. Like they don't have positive splits against righties. So, you know, I don't really see it with this team. I I, I think I expected them to definitely take a step back. I thought the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, and the Giants were better. And I thought it was a debate between you and the Rockies. Um, but you just they just have absolutely no pitching to speak of whatsoever. Um, you know, Chris Hall is a reliever. I mean, he's basically Ricky Venasco, but a poor man's Ricky Venasco. Um, you know, Juan Gill is kind of a zero. Mike Conti is the only guy that's interesting in that in that rotation for me. Um, have, you,
1: have you looked at Cole Henley number?
0: Oh my god, it's it's awful. Absolutely just, just terrible. Like, I didn't understand the fit at the time, because I know he was traded from Oakland, and Oakland's a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and I figured, okay, Cole Henry will do well there. And then when I saw he was traded to the Rockies, Coors has broken Cole Henry. Cole Henry is broke. It's just... Like when you have bad movement, and it's not even bad, but when you have five grade movement in, in Colorado, that's like the equivalent of like a thirty-five grade movement anywhere else. You're just asking for it there. Um,
1: giving giving up three, being up for nine.
0: That's nuts. And not even it's not even just that; it's the one point seven whip too. That's just like that's incredible, honestly this team is a really bad defensive team. They're last in the NL in defensive efficiency. They're last in bullpen ERA. They're 12th in team FIP, which is ballpark adjusted. The part that's really damning though, is they're 12th and run scored. And when you play half your games, of course, you have to have a higher run score. They're 13th in home runs. That's just, that's nuts. That's absolutely insane. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I expect them to take a step back. But to your point, did I expect them to be this bad? No, 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 definitely not. Uh, but nonetheless, a, a good pick for you. So I'll go with the Mariners as a first place with the Royals not far behind. And then you're going with the Rockies. Definitely some some good picks there. So we touched on this a little bit with some of our other conversations. But I did want to just run through each division real quick, Kaz, and, and give your – Take on who's going to win each division. So we'll start with the NL and then move over to the AL. So the land of Craig, uh, AKA the NL East. Uh, Craig runs this division, barring some major comeback from the Hammers and Marlins. Uh, the Mets and Phillies are done in this division. Um, I do think we are going to see a, a Craig NL East title. He's not going to lose in some ridiculous wild card game. Um, instead, he's going to lose in the NLDs. That's usually how this goes, right, Kaz?
1: Yeah, Um. I mean, uh, Craig is going to win the division. And what you said after that, I'm not sure <laughs> anything can happen in the fourth season.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're a fine team. I mean, look, they are a really good offensive team. They are first in a lot of major categories, offensively speaking. They get on base a lot. They've got guys with really good hit tools all throughout that lineup. They've got a lot of guys with great plate discipline. They're going to lay off pitches in the in you know outside the strike zone. So I think they're great there. Um, they've got a really outstanding bullpen. Craig's done a really good job building up that bullpen. But to your point. I just don't know if there's enough firepower in that starting rotation um, to get them over the hump in the playoffs. I'm going to be monitoring the nationals come the trade deadline. They've got minimal budget space to work with based on what I saw. I believe it's about $7 million they have at their disposal. And they've got basically one prospect of note in Tony Aguirre. Uh, So they don't necessarily have that great of a farm system either. So, I think if anything, they're they're buying for the playoffs. They don't need to worry about getting in there, like you said, but uh, definitely think that they're going to win that division. I think that's probably one of the, besides the AL Central, probably the one division you feel most confident about in, in calling at this point of the season. Um, shifting over to the NL Central, it does get a little bit closer between the teams. You've got the Cardinals five and a half games up in the Cubs with the Brewers not far behind at eight games and then the Reds and Pirates in distant fourth and fifth place, respectively. Um, I do think the Cardinals are a really good team. I don't think they've necessarily hit on all cylinders yet, but um, similar to the Nationals, they've got a very good lineup filled with a bunch of guys with excellent hit tools. Um, They hit some more home runs than the Nationals, but they also don't, get on base as much they don't walk as much that's one thing to keep in mind I think that they're actually better than the Nationals because they've got a better rotation at this point they've got one of the best defenses in baseball so I'm going to stick with them with the five and a half game lead um, to make the playoffs as the NL Central winner and I think that this team is quietly one of the top two or three best teams in the National League just like they are seemingly every single season
1: Yep, uh, spending tons of tons and tons on scouting and development. That, that pays off.
2: hmm hmm hmm
1: uh, I do have to say, uh, so in terms of depth, uh, the, the curves and curves are similar. So, uh, if one of, uh, one or well, two of their top guys go down for a stretch and um, and the curve splash big at the line mm-hmm. I could see a comeback mm-hmm. by the curbies.
0: Mm-hmm. What about the brewers?
1: Um, they, they've been performing uh, above their talent level
0: Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. do
1: not expect them to be above 500 this deep into the season.
0: Right. And they also just lost Mize and Kong. I believe Mize is out for the season. Kong is out for several weeks. Um. So you know, being two games over 500 now without those guys, I think is going to be a big deal for them. Kong has been um, outstanding as normal. I mean, Kong has been one of the most underrated hitters in the sport. Um. Really, ever since he came into the major leagues in 2023. Um, He's just been fantastic and no one really talks about him. Um, But to your point, yeah, absolutely. I think that the Cubs, I say they have a much better chance of usurping the Cardinals in the central, than the hammers or Marlins do in the NL East. Um, I would still put that probability at about 15 to 20% at this point. Um, I don't think it's, you know, that likely, but to your point, you know, obviously I think better odds than the other teams in the NL East. Um, all right. So shifting over to the NL West real quick. I do think this is the Diamondbacks division to lose. I say it that way because they did lose Billy Whalen, who is going to be out for a while. Um, they do have some other injuries. Uh, Mike Sykes was going to be, I think, a pretty interesting part of this team. Uh, They lost him for the entire season Um, They're without Jose Contreras, who's probably one of, if not the best defender at shortstop in the game. Um, So they do have some injuries right now, uh, but Whalen will be back in a couple of weeks. So if they can just hold firm, if they can hold the line uh, until Whalen comes back and maintain, you know, at least a seven game lead um, with the lineup that they have, I don't, Think there's any doubt they're gonna hold on to this division? Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. The the pitching staff is one of the best in the entire league.
0: Yeah. Quietly too. Yeah. It's got the number one starters ERA in baseball. It's a three six six ERA. They're first in overall team FIP of three three nine, which is just outstanding. And they strike out a lot of guys, so that. That subpar defense, the 10th defensive, most defensive, uh, efficient team in the National League, it, it doesn't matter as much because they just strike out dudes. So, you know, I, I love their team, and I think they're a very deep team as well. Like, they've got, a I I think, a bunch of guys that they could call upon in the minor leagues, um, especially relievers uh, or just general pitchers. Uh, they could start or be relievers. They have a bunch of guys they could call upon. Um, to make an impact in the major league. So really do like the Diamondbacks. But all that to say, I do think there's a very strong possibility that the two wildcard teams, or Yeah, uh, I think there's a very strong possibility that two of the wildcard teams from the National League are both NL West teams. If that's you and the Dodgers or you and the Giants, like it it really wouldn't shock me. Um, So... I do think this is the best division in baseball, just from a pure parity standpoint. So I, I do want to preface by saying that. All right, NL, oh, not NL, AL East. Um, yeah, we don't re- really need to go over that. I mean, I we talked about it before. I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna stay in first place, but you know, Tyler has you know gone to bed with this game engine. He's the luckiest team by Pythag in baseball right now at plus five. Um, just complete bullshit. And the fact that he's plus five with most of his stars healthy outside of Musgrove and I guess Lindauer for this one sim. And the fact he still can't overtake me, uh it's not happening. It's not happening. I'm not allowing it to happen. If he somehow has the lead over me, come the deadline. I will make him pay for it. It's that simple. Um, so I think I'm going to stay in first place. But uh, not because he's more talented, but just because this game is rigged, I think Tyler at least has a chance. And that's horrifying to me.
1: But Tyler uh, doesn't have the prospect of capital to add on to that major league roster. True.
0: True. True. And he also really doesn't have any money to spend this season. So if he does get somebody, it's going to have to be someone that's either making the league minimum or someone that's fully retained. So um, he does have that one blue chick prospect, though. He does have Jose Vasquez, which could get you a lot, you know, a really, really good player, I feel like. So I'm not going to count Tyler out. It hurts to even say that, but it is what it is. Um, AL Central, we really don't need to discuss this division. It is the most lopsided division in baseball. It's the worst division in baseball by a country mile. The Twins are a World Series favorite. There's really nothing more that needs to be said. Fair to say? Yep. Yep. All right, AL West. Um, you know, I know you think the athletics are overperforming. I would Definitely. say, I would agree. It's only a minor overperformance at this point. I think you also mentioned that. So I'm in agreement with you on that one. But I, I think there's a case that it's either the Athletics or Twins are the best team in baseball right now. So I don't think the Angels or Astros are going to ca- catch up to them. And we already know the Mariners and Rangers are out of playoff contention at this point. But I do think there's a case Athletics or Twins, best team in the AL.
1: Yep. Um, and how how are the angels playing this off? I still don't get it.
0: You know, Dave has gone to bed with this game engine, just like Tyler has. They have. They're they're just holding hands, singing "Kumbaya" down the the sunny road into OTP Wonderland. That's what this is. They're they're living in fairy tale land. They're trying to bring this dream this facade into real life where the Yankees and twins and athletics are clearly superior to each of them. Now, look um, in all seriousness, though, I do think the angels are a little disrespected. I do think they are a good team. Um, They've got a deceptively good lineup and their lineup wasn't that great last year, but it's taken steps forward. Thanks to guys like Chris Griggs, who has really, really stepped up this year. Jose Dominguez has been great for them. And then you factor in that Nolan Arenado is still, you know, basically a league average bat with gold glove defense at third base. You've got Bill Gracia, who I don't understand how he's doing this. He's one of those guys that is significantly overperformed. And then Steve Nitsch, who's in a lot of ways a poor man's Stephen Hrusich, I mean, it's crazy to think the Angels had two of those guys on their team at once at, at one point. Um, And then Israel Batista, another guy who is, you know, filled in admirably for the Angels. I, I do think it's a team that has overperformed. I want to just preface by saying that. I think their starting rotation has absolutely overperformed. Um, You know, Shane Bieber through six starts has been really, really good. Jake Donnelly is doing it again two years in a row we thought last year was absolutely a joke it's even a bigger joke this year he is the joke of the he is the talk of the joking community in this league um so look i, I definitely agree that the pitching rotation has overperformed like crazy but i think the lineup is legit Kaz.
1: i've gotta say though so. yeah
0: yeah Okay, so we've got our division favorites here. And just for wild card, um, the Red Sox and Angels are in a virtual tie for the wild card spot. The next closest team, the, the first team out of the playoff picture is the Astros. They're out; They're eight games out from the Angels and Red Sox. The Blue Jays nine games back. So I think the playoff picture is set in the American League. It's just a matter of who's going to be seated where, who's going to be the division favorite, who's going to be in the wild card. I, I don't really think the Astros or Blue Jays have much of a chance to make the playoffs this year. Who knows? I could be wrong, though. But I don't think there's any historical precedence for teams making eight-game jumps. You know, starting early July onward. It's
1: unlikely, but I'm I'm not completely one hundred
0: including the Jays
1: or the after that. Okay. Interesting. also like tiny minuscule less than
0: 1%. So, uh, so so cue the the dumb and dumber Jim Carrey part where he says so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> so, of those two teams, who would you say has a better chance of usurping the Angels or Red Sox in the wild card? Uh,
1: Houston, just because uh, the AL West is less loaded than the East.
0: Okay. Okay, I thought you were gonna say something about Gavin Lux, and I was gonna make a Gavin Lux joke. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that's that that's honestly a fair assessment of the situation. Um. All right, Kaz. Well, I said we'd be short and sweet. Guess what? We were not short and sweet. That's okay, though. That's okay. It was an hour and six minutes long. But I do think it was a good listen, so hopefully everyone agrees. But Kaz, um, in case people don't know, Kaz lives in Japan, so he's doing this relatively early in the morning. So, Kaz, thank you very much for doing this, my friend. We want to have you back on at some point in the future. But uh, best of luck this season, and hopefully we get to see the Padres in the playoffs pretty soon
1: thank you yeah this was fun uh, thank you for doing the part uh, inviting me and uh, you don't need any luck
0: oh so. please I, I need all the luck in the world at this point because <laughs> every piece of luck has gone against me so far so I need the the rebalancing of luck to come my way but uh, much appreciated Kaz that will do it for this episode of Defying gravity. we'll see you guys next time.